Tonight, we celebrate a great wonder. Tonight, we commemorate the unspeakable goodness of God, of our Lord, as he institutes the sacraments of holy orders, the priesthood, the most holy Eucharist. And as I was wrestling with how to properly communicate the wonder of this evening, I kept coming back to a line from J.R.R. Tolkien. He was a British writer. He wrote The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But first and foremost, he was a devout Catholic. And in a letter to his son, Michael, he wrote this. Out of the darkness of my life, so much frustrated, I put before you the one great thing to love on earth, the blessed sacrament. And he goes on to explain a little further from there. Now, let's be honest. Many, many in our day would hear that quote and object, cry foul. This is a father telling his son the one great thing to love in life is the Eucharist, not his own children. It's not an either or, though. It's a both and. Obviously, J.R. Tolkien loved his son. and He wanted him to love the one great thing on this earth, the greatest thing to love on this earth, the Blessed Sacrament. But I can think of several reasons why he would say the Eucharist is the one great thing to love in this life. First and foremost, let's just consider the reality of the Eucharist itself, the wonder that we are blessed to experience at each and every Mass. Jesus Christ is really truly and substantially present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, under the appearance of bread and wine. The Jesus who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, the Jesus who at the Last Supper washed the apostles' feet, who hung upon the cross and rose from the dead, that same Jesus is made present for us in the Eucharist and remains present in the tabernacle. Now, again, people object and like, all right, how do we know? How do we really know Jesus is really, truly, substantially present in the Eucharist? Simple answer is that this is a truth we can know by faith. Faith is accepting something as true based on the testimony, the words of another. We're accepting this as true based on the testimony, the words of Jesus Christ, who said on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread and said, this is my body. He took a chalice filled with wine and said, this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. When Christ speaks, it happens. You know, he says to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Take courage. And the Pharisees object. And he says, what's easier to say to a man? Your sins are forgiven or rise, pick up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. I say, rise, pick up your mat and walk. And he does so. That miracle is given to prove he has the authority to forgive sins, to show that he is who he says he is. The one who said to Lazarus, come out, and a man deadened in the tomb four days, walks out. What's easier to say, this is my body or Lazarus, come out? But he does that miracle so that we might know he is who he says he is. That when he says, this is my body, this is my blood, it is so. You know, St. Thomas wrote that, St. Thomas Aquinas wrote that reason alone cannot understand 
this great sacrament. He said, man cannot understand this, cannot perceive it, but a lively faith affirms that the change from bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ, which is outside the natural course, takes place. Take another great thinker, St. Augustine. Here's what he wrote. What you see is the bread and the chalice. That is what your own eyes report to you. But what your faith obliges you to accept is that the bread is the body of Christ and the chalice is the blood of Christ. What does this mean? This means when we come to Mass, whether it's in some glorious Basilica Cathedral, whether it's here at the Diddy Center, whether it's in the most humble of circumstances, we witness a miracle each and every single time. Ordinary bread and wine becomes the very body and blood of Jesus Christ. You know, so often we'll hear the criticism, you know, Father, I just don't get anything out of Mass. But if only we had the eyes to see. Second reason why I think Tolkien is right. Notice how he starts this phrase. Out of the darkness of my life, so much frustrated. What is he talking about there? What is this darkness of his life he's talking about? Well, it could be a lot of things. He might be referring to a very difficult childhood. His father died when he was three years old. His mother died nine years later. At 12 years old, he's an orphan. He could be referring to his experience in combat as a British soldier in the First World War. He fought on the Battle of the Somme. And if you know anything about the Great War, the First World War, it's one of the worst wars in, or one of the worst battles of that terrible war, the Battle of the Somme. He lost three of his four best friends in that battle. Witnessed horrors um, that most humans never witness. Or, you know, he could just mean the run of the mill, everyday difficulties of marriage and family, of work and making ends meet, of dealing with the worries and anxieties and frustrations we all deal with. Whatever he meant, it was the Eucharist that gave him the strength to carry on despite it all. The Eucharist nourished him. The Blessed Sacrament was like a guiding light for Tolkien in this dark and fallen world. And the same has been true for countless saints down through the ages. The Eucharist was both a safe harbor and a source of supernatural strength and nourishment of, for countless souls down through the ages as they bore their cross and sought to do God's will. And the same ought to be true for us there are many things in this life that are chaotic, that are difficult and dark. Many things in life cause anxiety and angst, worry and fear. Yet it does not matter what troubles or ails us. Jesus is available and waiting in every tabernacle around the world. And all we have to do to have an audience with he who is the King of Kings is come pay him a visit. Take time to walk into any Catholic church where that red lamp is flickering and bend the knee before he who is our Lord and our God. And then we can speak to him from our hearts, casting our cares upon him. And when we receive our Lord in Holy Communion, we receive the supernatural strength and nourishment we all so badly need. The Eucharist shows us the tremendous love of God. 
He not only loves us so much that he sends his only begotten son to die for us, that we might live, but Jesus gives us his very flesh and blood as our supernatural nourishment and a sacrament of his abiding presence until he comes again in the Eucharist. And the only proper response is to love God above all else. We need to fall in love with Jesus, really, truly, and substantially present in the Eucharist, like Tolkien did, like all the saints. But here's the difficulty for us. The difficulty for us is this. It is so easy for us to fall into routine, come to Mass, genuflect, kneel, kind of out of adoration, kind of spiritual autopilot, maybe even checking out until we come back to the things that seem to really matter. We must fight this routine. It's a routine that I actually think priests are more susceptible to, right? Because priests, we daily bless to serve at the altar. We daily take ordinary bread and wine in our hands and as it becomes the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is easy to lose our awe and wonder at the tremendous mystery of the Mass. But we must fight that. How do we do that? How do we fight this routine? Spend time with him. If we're willing to come and bend the knee before our Lord in adoration, to spend time before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, our love will grow. If we're willing to come to a daily Mass, not just when we have to, when we're obliged, but when we have the time or when we can carve it out, our love for him will grow. And then, of course, we need to ask our Lord, for this gift of awe and wonder, this grace to not fall into the routine, but to see the the tremendous mystery that takes place at each and every Mass. You know, I'll close with a quote from another British author. If I began with J.R. Tolkien, I'll end with another British Catholic, G.K. Chesterton. He once wrote this, If I am to answer the questions, how would Christ solve modern problems if he were on earth today? I must answer it plainly, and for those of my faith there is only one answer. Christ is on earth today, alive on a thousand altars, and he does solve people's problems exactly as he did when he was on earth in the more ordinary sense. That is, he solves the problems of the limited number of people who chose of their own free will to listen to him. Tonight we can start. Tonight we will bend the knee when bread and wine are transformed into the very body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight we will have an opportunity to bend the knee in adoration when the Blessed Sacrament is brought to the altar of repose at the end of Mass in the social hall. There we'll have an opportunity for a couple of hours to spend some time with our Lord, to ask that our love may be inflamed that that sense of awe and wonder may always remain with us. And may we resolve from this day forward to choose to be one of those limited number of people who strive to love the one great thing to love on earth, Jesus Christ, really present in the most holy sacrament of the altar.